Alrighty, hello everyone, and welcome back to the Reformed Dissenters, the show where Reformed Christians dissent against popular ideas of culture by asserting a biblical worldview. My name is Bruce Johnson. I am joined today, as always, with my brother. I'm joined by my brother, Jacob Johnson. Hello, everybody. And uh, he's in Pennsylvania. I'm in the state of South Dakota. And uh, we're excited to have you joining us today. Right at the top of the program, we, we do want to apologize for our Friday episode and our Monday episode. We've had a lot of technical glitches coming up over the past uh, week, week and a half to two weeks. Um, we've reached out to the company that we usually use for recording, and uh, we're getting some things situated. We've put in some tickets, and I spoke to their customer support team for quite some time. So hopefully we can get some of these technical difficulties uh, restored because it really is a wonderful platform and they do a tremendous job of providing a full suite of features that we really appreciate using and we'd love to continue using them, but uh, we'll see if uh, this goes well. So if you hear some glitches, you hear some weirdness, there's some dead eyes, there's some random pauses, uh, we are still working through a multitude of technical difficulties. So please, please bear with us while we sort some of these things out. Thank you so much in advance for dealing with all of that. All right, so our show today, today is Literature Wednesday. We have a lot to go through. We are going through chapter six in Gary DeMar's book, Restoring the Foundation of Civilization, which is just a tremendous book talking about literally restoring the foundation of civilization. And all that goes into that, there's so, so much there. So we're very excited to start breaking that down. Um, but you know, this is chapter six in this book. Uh, we've covered chapters, the introduction, all the way to chapter five in previous episodes. You can find those episodes by going to our show website, trdshow.net, which link is up on screen, and <clears throat> check out some of our other platforms. Check us out on YouTube if you like censored content. I don't know. Some people might like censored content. That's that's a thing, I guess. It's an option if you like that kind of stuff. Uh, but if you like uncensored content that is uh supportive of free speech then please 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 we beg of you follow us on rumble and gab tv where they don't cancel people because they disagree with our opinions um go to trdshow.net for links to all of the many platforms we're on including getter follow us on getter our getter following is a little thin go to gettr.com I think you can do gettr.com slash TRD show. It's a wonderful, wonderful Twitter replacement. So I don't know about you guys, but we're not on Twitter yet. And I don't know if we're going to join. Eh, I don't know. Getter's been a, a great platform in terms of a replacement for Twitter. And uh, they were founded on uh, being pro First Amendment. So I don't know. I don't know about you, but that sounds better to me than Twitter does. So follow us on Getter. Follow us on Gab, which is the Facebook alternative. Tremendous Facebook alternative, and uh, you'll be able to get so much more content from us and so many more announcements from us and so, so much other stuff. So please follow us on our social media platforms. Um, also, <clears throat> send us an email. If you're listening to this show, you can hear me. Send us an email. We want to hear from you. We want to hear that our listeners are listening and you're interested in our content and uh, we're not just talking into a void. We always like to get emails from our listeners. So send your emails to drdshow at protonmail.com. We love getting each and every one of those. Also sign up for our newsletter. Our mom does a brilliant job putting together that newsletter, sending it out every week. You do not want to miss that. If you're not signed up for that newsletter, you're missing out on so much extra stuff from verses to resources to links to reminders to just everything. Go to trdshow.net slash newsletter to do that. It takes like 10 seconds. Just, just do it. It's fun. Um, so today is Literature Wednesday. Like I said, Restoring the Foundation of Civilization by Gary DeMar, talking about chapter six, and we're talking about civil government. We've talked about the individual. We've talked about the family. Now 
we're going to talk about the civil government. Uh, oh, we've also talked about the church. That was last week, the church government. So before we get into this, though, we have to do what we always do, which is to talk about our verse of the week. And it's Wednesday. So Jake, take it away. Alrighty, and our verse this week has been Hebrews 12, verses 28 through 29. And it says, Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. And what I want to focus on in this verse is when Bruce was reading it for the Monday, for Monday, um, I kind of focused in and thought about this and let us offer to God acceptable worship. Mm. And really, what is that acceptable worship? And, you know, just staying within the framework of this verse, um, I think just pulling out the many different things that it mentions. So first of all, it says that we are to offer to God acceptable worship. And it's not just the worship that we feel like giving at that moment. This is acceptable worship. Who should be accepting it? God is accepting it. So what makes it acceptable? It should be God's standards that makes it acceptable. And so we should be focusing on what makes it acceptable worship. And there's there's a bunch of study that can be done on that. And I think a lot of people have. Um, mm. But... <clears throat> Our liturgy, and this is this is that's what that means is the our liturgy is the worship, and so our liturgy needs to reflect what this verse is saying. This verse is saying that we first need to worship God with reverence and awe, and what what is that like? And we we first need to make sure that our worship services are structured and orderly, that our worship mm. services are reverent. That they are, now every little aspect is founded around a scriptural passage, or that yeah. the reason for everything has a purpose. Yep. Um. But but second, that we should be in awe, that we should be there in almost in a respectful way, but also that we are there in a wonderment way, that we in our worship, that we are in awe of God. Um, but then lastly, this little part um, that says, for our God is a consuming fire. And that's kind of giving us a little bit of why we're doing this, right? And so it's kind of giving us qualifications for God to say, okay, this is, this is, we need to be following God because Take and it he will give us, right, right. And he will give us the standard for acceptable worship. Um, I will leave it there for right now because I know Bruce mm. and I have a lot to go over in the literature. So there's a lot yeah. that we're going to be talking about. So I'll just, I'll stop talking there. So. Yeah, no, that's, that's a really good breakdown. Yeah. And, and it was funny yesterday after the show, um, <clears throat> Jacob and I were discussing a little bit. We were like, uh, yeah, so, so what you, uh, what you planning on doing for the Wednesday episode? And he was like, you know, I think I kind of want to hone in on this acceptable worship part of the verse. And I was like, dude, I don't know how I missed that. Like that, <laughs> that part of the verse is, is so vital. Um, and I, I love how you connected that together and you connected that with our God as a consuming fire. I think that all fits together. It's not, 
It's not, oh, we're talking about the kingdom and then we're talking about worshiping God. It's like, no, 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 they're one and the yeah. same. They're they're together. Our worship is a result of the kingdom of God growing. Our worship is in light of what he's doing in the world. We worship him because it comes from him and not from us. And we're worshiping him in awe because he's a consuming fire. We worship him in reverently because he's a consuming fire. He's not just our, our good buddy um, that we treat like that, right? Like these churches where it's all about entertainment and they're writing these love songs basically to Christ, which is totally uh, irreverent. Um, and, and the writer of Hebrews puts this in context and says, no, 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 you're worshiping him in awe and reverence because he is a consuming fire. That mm -hmm. should, you should walk in there trembling because that's the God you're worshiping, the God of power, a consuming fire. This is so much more than just, oh, he, he loves me and has a wonderful plan for my life. Well, yeah, but you need to remember the God you worship and you need to take that seriously. Yeah. So yeah, that, that was really good to pull that out, Jake. Thank you. All right. So <clears throat> let's get into this. So we're talking about the civil government. Now, there's a reason, Gary DeMar, you know, we're talking about civilization. We're talking about restoring the foundation of civilization. And until this point, Gary DeMar has talked about the individual. He talked about the family, talked about the church government. Um, and there's a reason that it's taken us six chapters to get to the civil government. I mean, a lot of people today, unfortunately, when they see a society, the first thing they notice about the society is the flag. They notice the streets. They notice the civil government and the buildings that they've erected, right? Oh, we talk about the different um, restrictions, like, oh, we have to drive political on this side of the road. Landscape. Yeah, yeah, political landscape, all that kind of stuff. And that really shouldn't be. That's not the best way to look at a society. A society is made first and foremost of individuals, then families, then the churches, and then finally, lastly, the civil government. And as we're going to discuss here, the civil government is kind of a last resort mechanism to restrain us when we can't restrain ourselves before God. When the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. is not restraining people, that's when the civil government has to get involved. So anytime the civil government has to get involved, we should be like, dang it, why did it get to this point? That's really unfortunate that we couldn't handle this ourselves, and now they have to. It should be a last resort mechanism. But a mechanism ordained by God nonetheless. So let's talk about that mechanism. <clears throat> so let's first, I want to start out by talking about the realm and authority of the civil government. We spent several months uh, last year talking about this as well, but I think now is a good time just as a reminder to jog your memories. Maybe there's a lot of new listeners who missed some of those months. So on page 77, Gary DeMar said, civil governments have the responsibility to punish evildoers and promote the good. The task of civil governments at all levels is to exercise their limited but necessary authority in their jurisdictions and settle disputes between conflicting jurisdictions, end quote. So there's a lot of um, vernacular used in there about jurisdictions. Last week, we talked about jurisdictions and how juris and diction means juris is law, diction is speaking, so jurisdiction is speaking the law, but it also shows us the realm and, and areas within that uh, uh, authority, that law of authority. So God's law shows that there are certain groups of people that have certain types of authorities, certain delegated authorities. And as Romans 13 makes it very clear, that authority comes not from themselves, but from God in the first place. So we need to go back to the Bible to figure out what authorities those people have been given, because they've been given it from God. 
So <clears throat> here, what he's saying is that civil governments have the res responsibility to punish evildoers and promote the good. So they are to exercise their limited jurisdiction and also settle dis disputes between conflicting jurisdictions. So last week we talked about where Paul is like, why would you go to the civil government when you have a dispute with a Christian brother? Take it to the church. But mm -hmm. if the church can't handle it, and if churches have conflicts with each other, families have conflicts with each other, and the church, for whatever reason, is unable to handle it, well, then we got to get the backup mechanism involved. But again, it's kind of a last case scenario, like a last resort, like, oh, shoot, yeah. I really wish we could have settled this outside of the civil government in our church courts. But unfortunately, we aren't restrained enough in this particular case to do that. So we have to go to the civil government. Sorry, it looked I like you were going to say something. I find it interesting here. Um, I mean, the 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 majority of people, like if they are either they're democratic and they want a full government control mm -hmm. or or I guess Republicans are in the middle a little bit. But then you have the libertarians that say no government control. Yeah. And I like it that this is the way he phrased it is yeah. to yeah. exercise their limited but necessary, necessary. authority. Yep. And in that, you know, the civil, you like I was talking about on Monday, um, my first kind of instinct reaction is to say, no, don't give the government any power. But I had to stop myself and say, no, wait, hold on. There yeah. are laws that the government is supposed to institute. There yep. are things that the government is supposed to do. It is a, it still is a magistrate that is a servant of God that God yeah. gave um, powers in a position for. Yeah. So. Yeah. We have to be careful about the pendulum swinging too far exactly. in the other direction. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So my second section I want to cover is absolute an unconditional submission to every authority is not biblical. I'll say that again. Absolute and unconditional submission to every authority is not biblical. <clears throat> On uh, pages 68 and 69, Gary DeMar lists multiple examples from the Old Testament where it was lawful and righteous for people to disobey their civil authorities. His examples include David, Rahab, uh, Jochebed, which is Moses's mother. Shouldn't kill him after all. Um, the Hebrew midwives in Exodus 1, 15 through 16, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, probably the most popular and famous examples, right? And then uh, Daniel, of course, as well, and, and, and many others he listed as well. Um, and, and then on pages 70 and 71, he lists multiple New Testament examples of the same thing. The book of Acts is full of this, right? The civil government's during the apostles days said, Hey, stop preaching this gospel of the kingdom. Stop preaching that this Christ is King over us. Stop calling us on our sin and telling us to submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ in our lives and in our kingdom. Stop that. And the apostles said, heck no, boy, we're going to go around and do it. <laughs> Christ has called us to go and make this nation, the nation of Rome, a disciple of him. And so we're going to do it. Dang it. Um, when, when the, the, God who rules over the entire universe tells you to do this, you're going to do it. And so that's what they did. And they opposed the civil governments that would stand in their way and say, hey, stop this. They were like, no, we're not. Sorry. What, what can man do to us? Um, and then uh, the, uh, page 66 and 67, Gary DeMar said, the Bible directs us to submit to every human institution, but with certain limitations. 
And then he quotes uh, 1 Peter 2.13, which says, whether to a king as the one in authority or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. While Peter has civil authority in mind here, this text is inclusive enough to include family and church governments, or I'm sorry, family and church authorities, end quote. <clears throat> so even just reading that 1 Peter 2.13 passage, it has a very Romans 13-esque uh, language and vernacular to it talking about the it's limiting the authority it's it's specifically saying governors sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right uh not the caring of the poor not the educating of children not the building of your roads not the telling you how you can and can't construct your house not the removal of gas stoves from your kitchen <laughs> yeah As a, i uh, i find I find it interesting that like these passages are used so often, like Romans 13 and this, this first Peter passage are used so often <clears throat> to kind of say, Oh, Christians can't get involved in government. They can't tell government yeah. what to do. Yeah. But the funny thing is, is that it's a very Christian mindset. They're, they're assuming mm -hmm. a Christian mindset to begin with, because yep. it says here for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. Yeah. What defines evil? What defines right? And that is God's law. So Amen. how does yep. how does the the governors punish evil? Well, they have to use God's law to punish evil. <clears throat> and you know, yeah. I you know I'm making a bold statement. If you haven't heard of our presuppositional apologetic episodes, um, you should probably go back and listen to those. But <laughs> I'm assuming so you've already heard there. those. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know what, that that actually leads me really well into my next section, talking about the qualifications of the civil governmental office, because in this section, I have a couple of quotes where Gary DeMar is demonstrating and showing that nothing is neutral. The civil government is not neutral. The laws that it produces are not neutral. So in this, uh, you can't legislate morality age, where we pretend like legislation is not mor moral legislation does not involve moral codes and is not moral at all, which is a complete farce, complete lie. Every bit of legislation is, is some sort of moral code. Um, and you're assuming and pre presuming certain things every time you write laws, um, which is exactly what Jacob is discussing here, right? <clears throat> On uh, page 77, Gary DeMar said, it is not enough to have conservative rulers who implement a pragmatic approach to governing. Christians should be working for Christian leaders whose lives are conformed to the image of Jesus Christ and who seek to make the word of God in terms of its civil principles uh, uh, applicational to civil government, end quote. Then a little further down on the page, he said, for it, the God-ordained authority, is a minister of God to you for your good, Romans 13, verse 4. Notice that Paul declares that the civil magistrate is required to be a minister to you for good. Paul has a biblical moral order in mind when he speaks about the operation of those in a civil capacity, end quote. So just like Jacob was saying earlier, what defines good? What is good? What is moral? What is just? If it's not based solely on the word of God, the infallible inerrant word of God, word of God then it's up to mere opinion. Mm -hmm. One day you might say murder is wrong. The next day you might change your mind because, hey, 
you are the ultimate source of truth after all. And so why should murder be wrong when you're like, actually, you know what? I don't, I don't like that guy. I, I, I don't like that guy. And I, you know, I think I'd like him a lot better if he weren't here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to do something about that. And that's fine because, hey, murder is whatever I think it is. It could be right or wrong, depending on how I feel that day. Yeah. If there is no ultimate source of truth. And then people will be like, well, well, but the civil government, though, they're going to come after you. Well, why? They didn't in Hitler's day for Jews. Perfectly acceptable to murder millions of people. And the civil government was okay with that. Why? Because they were based purely on a democratic system of government. And then eventually they were based purely on a, a basically a monarchy or an aristocracy, a ruling class of people. Right. And whatever that ruling class of people said, that's what went. That's they were the law. So there is no moral relativity um, or, 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 or uh, uh, moral ambiguity in a peaceful society that's going to fail and crumble. And that's what we're seeing around us today. Um, so there's a lot more we could talk about there. But again, check out the rest of this chapter. Gary DeMar goes into so much detail. This chapter was like 20, 25 pages long. It was one of his bigger chapters. Um, so we are only going to touch on parts and aspects of what he discussed here um so I'll, I'll i have one more section <clears throat> and then i'm gonna pass it over to jake for a little bit and then we'll probably get through one section after that and we'll wrap up for the day um <laughs> we had so much i have so much in here to talk about and i'm like you know there's no way we're gonna get to even half of this <laughs> so we always we consistently have this problem where uh We've we we put so much in our notes, so much mm-hmm. research, so much study, and it just never turns out that we're able to talk about all of we, it. So we always say our problem is not talking; our problem is trying mm. to pare it down and stop. Yes, talking. yeah. The problem is never we don't have enough content. The problem always is we have way too much content here. <laughs> we need to pare this down a little bit, um, <clears throat> which is why we're always like, "Hey, send us emails because we'd love to send you some of this content." <laughs> we didn't get a chance to get to <laughs> but uh yeah maybe someday we can like publish some of the notes and just be like hey here's everything else we didn't get to today <laughs> um so next section and i'm deriving this from a series of quotes from gary demar the next section i want to talk about is our biblical duties to the civil government so we have duties biblically the bible's god has given us duties just like children have duties to their parents Church members have duties to um, those in the ruling in the church, elders and deacons and what have you. Excuse me. Uh, Citizens have duties to fulfill as citizens towards their civil governments, towards their civil magistrates, magistrates as a, a ruling authority ordained by God. There is a level of respect. There are duties we fulfill. They are not pure evil which I think in America we can swing in that direction pretty easily, which I think is, is, is better than the alternative, but still we need to watch ourselves and make sure that we don't, you know, think of every ruling uh, civil magistrate as pure evil because they're often not pure evil. They need to repent and turn back to Christ, but they're still people. And God has given us duties um, to act on as per their office. So anyways, on, uh, let's see, Gary DeMar spends some time on pages 77 and 78 discussing 
our duty before God to call our civil authorities to confess Christ. He lists several passages to underscore his point, including Matthew 10, 18, 1 Corinthians 9, 16, and Acts 26, verses 28 through 29. So we're supposed to be calling them to Christ. We're supposed to be going before Congress and saying, hey, repent. What you're doing is wrong. Turn to Christ. Rule properly. Uh, um, that's why Romans that, 1, 5. Go ahead. That was something interesting. Um, Jeff Durbin a while ago, like a long while ago, I remember watching our dad showing us this one video of um, Jeff Durbin going into a literal um, capital building, know, probably like a, a council meeting or something, hmm. and and doing that, doing that exact wow. thing, calling calling the the council to repentance. <clears throat> so, wow. I, and I found that great. that interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what the apostles would do all the time: go before their the ruling class and call them. Hey, repent, you know, um, pages 75 and 76, Gary DeMar said, our rulers need the prayers of Christians first to give them support for the difficult tasks that surely must burden them. Second, to have God change their minds when they stray from the principles of scripture. Third, to give them wisdom in applying the absolutes of God's word to civil situations. Fourth, to pray for a well-ordered state so the church of Jesus Christ is protected and given freedom to preach the gospel, end quote. So there's four reasons to pray for your civil authorities. Notice a large chunk of those also um, happen through the church. These civil authorities, many of these people should be going to churches. In a well-ordered society like we used to have in America, many of them would go to churches. In fact, that separation of church and state was meant to say, hey, don't make a nation or don't make a, a state church because so many of the people went to specific churches in specific mm -hmm. states. It was, hey, don't make no. a state church because that so many people went to church. It was incredible. And then what happened? The churches stopped preaching all of Christ for all of life. The churches stopped preaching on how civil authorities should rule properly, stopped preaching on what biblical justice looks like, biblical restitution looks like, what the Bible has to say about civil government. And so these churchgoers had no idea. We started to lose it. We've lost so much of what the Bible says about restitution because how will they know without a preacher? Yeah. We preach um, a basic truncated, limited gospel message every stinking Sunday. You are going to get watered down milk Christians who are completely and entirely ineffective. The, the, the phrase separation of church and state is so misunderstood. Um, the, that Bruce just went over the meaning of that, that separation of church and state, but the, the current age wants to change it. It's, it's no longer separation of church and state. They're, they're defining it as separation of the state and morality. <laughs> yeah. That's what they're saying. Which is absurd. Exactly. Yep. yep. Absolutely. Um, so anyways, again, there's so, so much there we could talk about, but I'm, I'm actually just going to pass it right back to Jake to talk about um, his section. And I think actually that's going to do it for today's episode. We don't have time to get back into the other stuff. So take it away, dude. All right. And I'll just continue the conversation by saying, so what about taxes? <laughs> um, on page 79, Gary DeMar says, because civil governments are ordained by God and act as ministerial institutions, Romans 13.4, they need finan financing to pay for specific rendered services. 
the civil government is taxing people for redistribution purposes, contrary to the Bible and the Constitution, it is the Christian's duty to reject the wealth redistribution and vote for leaders, civil ministers, who will only tax for services that are specific, um, specified biblically, and in the case of our Caesar, constitutional. Um, and, you know, just talking about taxes, you think about um, the the most common verse that people bring up when talking about taxes is that <laughs> Jesus talking about the coin, um, Caesar with the coin, um, you know, in, in taxes are biblical, but right now taxes are so overblown and so taken um, out of proportions that we're paying so much that we were not, we shouldn't be paying. Um, and, you know, they, they say that it's all a voluntary while holding you at gunpoint. Um, you know, but really, as the Bible says, that the, the government is only supposed to take 10% or less than 10%. On page 80, Gary DeMar says, Oppressive taxation always indicates that the people in general have rejected God. High taxes are a judgment of God just like military defeats and economic crisis. The only way to overthrow political oppression through taxation is to repent before God and acknowledge that he alone is Savior, Lord, and King. End quote. And it's so powerful that what, what he was just saying, and it puts a new meaning to it, but the verse that we always say, you know, the government taxes less than 10% also is talking about, yes, it's talking about in judgment that the government will want more than, than God will want. Hmm. And so what it's, what it's saying is that that is judgment, that that is a time in which you repent, that you turn away. This is wrong. Yeah. This is bad. And it's, it's outward signs to show you, Hey, there's a problem in a good um, Christian world. There won't be this oppressive taxation, but yeah. when we stray away from God, there will be oppressive taxation. For example, our country that we're in right now. Yeah. Yep. So. Yes, indeed. Sweet. Well, thanks so much for that uh, that breakdown, Jake, and bringing that up. Um, <clears throat> and with that, we are out of time. Hopefully, this topic, this overview of the civil government was beneficial to you. If you have further questions on that, you'd like further resources, you have further input, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email, trdshow at protonmail.com. You can send all your emails there, and we would just love to get those. Also, check out our show website, which is trdshow.net. We got a list of links to a ton of places on that platform, so definitely, uh, definitely check out our website. Again, thanks so, so much for watching or listening to us today. And we will see you on Friday. We've got a very special guest coming up. We're going to be talking with uh, comedian John Branion on Friday about internet debates. So this is, uh, this is going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait. Alrighty. Uh, and remember, everyone, in all that you do, do it as unto the Lord.